are the Mystery History Podcast. I'm Allison. I'm Jordan. Hello. Hello. What episode we on today? 24. 25. Like Jack Bauer. Yeah. You get that reference? Yeah. <laughs> are you sure? Took me a minute. But yes, I get it. Southern. That's how the Southern say it. Jack Bauer. Ba- Jack Bauer. Jack Bauer. Yeah. So this episode mm. is going to be on Jonestown. Yeah. Which is my favorite massacre. Yeah, because that's a normal thing for people to have. Is it? Is it not? Nope, definitely not. I think so. I think most people have like a thing that they, that got them in to the true crime. I think you might need to be in a padded room. But who knows, you know? Possibly. I would say, yeah, I would. Don't judge me. Okay. My favorite massacre. Yeah, legit. (laughs) It was. Fucking little weird sentence. So, before we get into Jonestown. Yeah. The before ma- we get my favorite massacre. <laughs> yeah, before we get into the fun stuff. That should have been our name. Jonestown. Instead of my favorite murder, my favorite massacre. It still works. That's too too close. Too close. Too close. Too close. We did the good did, we did the right thing. We did the good thing. The good thing. Good grammar. Yeah, buddy. We did good stuff. Good stuff. <laughs> yes. So how many downloads we at? Seven point four thousand. Woo woo. Pretty wild. Pretty wild. Where'd you get that word, wild? It's a good one, right? It is. I like the way that I say it. Wowed. You say it like I say it. Wow. So you're welcome for the coolness. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. I don't know where I started saying that. Me neither. But I do say it a lot. A lot. Instead of saying something's cool, I say that's wild. You say wild as much as I say so. Because I say so a lot. Sorry. Yeah, what a nerd. It's just what I do. How annoying. We got some people to thank. Mm-hmm. We got to thank Megan. 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 Take your she, jacket. <laughs> she bought us a coffee. She did. Thank you very much. Kofi. Yep. K O dash F I. Not yes. is it a dash? Yeah. Hyphen. Hyphen. Dash. Yeah, the same. Same. Yep. Same. Same. Not backslash. Mm-mm. Hyphen. Backslash. We rule. Yeah. So Kofi is a way to donate to us whenever you're not not committed. Not saying that Megan's not committed because she's totally committed, but it's more, it's less of a commitment. It's like a one-time donation instead of a monthly reoccurrence. Right. So So like say, you know, maybe you got a bonus and you're like, you know what? I really want to give those guys five bucks. Mm. You can. Buy us a coffee. Buy us a coffee. So thank you to Megan. That is awesome. Mm -hmm. Appreciate it. Now, for those of you that are ready to commit... To get into a committed and want to get into a relationship, <laughs> you can do that as well. Yes, through Patreon. Patreon. What are the tiers on Patreon? So the first tier is you get every episode a week early. Whoa! So right now you could be listening to next week's episode. That's pretty important. Pretty fucking cool. Yeah. And then also with that, that's five dollars a month, and with that you get a ten percent discount to the store. Ten percent. So you get to use a ten percent discount to the store every month. Right. So that's like a lot of percentages if you add them up. Yeah. Mm. So like if something was $100, it'd be $10 off. Nice. <laughs> Good math. Did you see that? I mean, that's that pretty, happened. that's just about as big as basic as it gets, but I'm proud of you. That just happened. Okay. And then the second tier <laughs> is you get all of that. No, I'm just kidding. You get the episode a week early. Yeah. And then you get another episode every single Friday. Bonus time. 30-minute 30, 30 episode every Friday. Whoa. And then 
and Dan, and Dan, you get a twenty percent discount code to the store. So that means if you were spending a hundred dollars, uh-huh. it'd be twenty dollars off. Dang! How much is what's a hundred <laughs> minus twenty? Uh, oh shit! Eighty. <laughs> nice, man. You're quick too. I'm proud. Like you don't lightning. be asking me math questions, okay? You're the one showing off. I know. Like, I'm about to crush this. I'm so but I ask proud. You I don't even have a calculator. Basic arithmetic. Uh. <laughs> I don't like What's people five plus five. Ooh, <laughs> hey Siri, numbers. No, sorry for anybody. Yeah, you just set off a million in, yes, in people's cars. <laughs> uh, but anyway, yeah. So if you are ready to commit to us cool in a relationship, club. yep. Or sometimes a relationship. Not us. No, not, not us. Here. Never. Not this. You can uh, you can get in on our Patreon. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Instagram. Mm. We got some Instagram. Mystery Podcast on Instagram. Is it? Yeah. Okay. Good. Good. Uh, yeah. So we got a lot of followers on there. Be sure to tell your friends. Call a buddy, bring a friend. Yeah. Or Bill Goodman's gonna knife show. Or mm. shout it from the rooftops or on the it. corner. Yeah, just yell it in the hallway. Whatever. Yeah, crowded whatever. Crowded hallway, crowded workspace maybe. Yeah. Yell it. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or you could go to our website yeah. and get a shirt mm. with our logo on it. Yeah, and then people could ask you, hey. That's a pretty fucking cool shirt. And where'd you're like, you get that? Thanks, man. Yeah. This is a pretty cool podcast. Right. And yeah. then it opens up the door. Word of mouth is the best advertisement. That's the best mouth. It is. That's what they say. Every mouth. Word of mouth the best mouth. That talks about us is a good mouth. <laughs> so the old adage goes. That's a good mouth. That's a good mouth. So be a good mouth, okay? <laughs> so we're going to be a good mouth. Look at these transitions. I'm killing it. I guess so. We're going to shout out a couple people. Yeah. We're going to shout out hashtag history. Yep. Because they're just fan fantabulous. Yeah, they're really awesome. We love them. Mm-hmm. So go listen to them. They do all things like history and they do trivia. Mm. They have a lot of cool stuff. Yeah, they do a lot of like, live stuff, which is cool. Yeah. Uh, so go listen to them. They're amazing. We also would like to shout out Hook CMEC. Mm-hmm. They are a um, promotional company, and they recently bought a coffee mug off of us, and he just posted that, and mm-hmm. I'm very excited. It looks very cool. Yeah. Looks a- like it holds 15 ounces of coffee. Yep. Hot stuff. Hot stuff. Anything hot. You Any. Want. You can bake soup in it. Apple cider. Whatever. Bake soup in it? No, make soup. I thought you just said it. bake soup and I was like, no. hold the phone. <laughs> <laughs> no. I don't know. Maybe you can. Yeah, I'm not gonna it. judge you. Try it out. Yeah. Let us know how that goes and what the recipe is. Bake okay. soup. What else we got to say? Uh yeah, I think we covered it. Just we got all kinds of clothes. We got hoodies. Hoodie season's coming up, sweaters. I know. So Jordy and I just bought, I bought a hoodie. He brought yeah. the, what'd you buy? Moon sweater. Yeah, the sweater that looks really, really comfy, but yeah. they are against plus size people for some reason. I don't really get that. We need to talk to them about this. Uh-oh, somebody's about to get a letter. Yeah, I'm going to write a letter. <laughs> so you know it's real. Yeah. The penmanship. Yeah. And see it. And the see how hard I'm pressing The aggressive tilt in the letters. <laughs> they only go up to 2X. And that's just only not, in some things. That's just not me, you know? Yeah, but everybody is a good body, okay? Yep, and they got blankets. (laughs) That's cold. (laughs) We got cold stuff, blankets, 
Sweaters. T-shirts. T-shirts. I feel like I'm putting people to sleep with this. <laughs> yeah, so pretty much you do you and look yeah. on our website and see if there's anything that catches your fancy. We got stickers, too, if you're like just trying to slap some bitches on stuff. Yeah, slap some bitches on stuff. Yep, that's what I said, and I that's- don't regret it. <laughs> <laughs> That's what we need. More bitch slapping. Bitch slapping. Bitch slapping for us. Yeah. <laughs> okay. All right. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Okay. I just want to preface this by saying this is super depressing. But it's your favorite though, right? It really is my favorite. Fucking weird. It is weird. It's just because it takes like something crazy has to happen for a man to get 900 people to commit suicide Spoiler. because they believe him. Yeah, so let's just let's just start off by saying Jonestown was the largest incident of international civilian death in American history. Mm. That was before 9/11 happened, okay? Over 900 people died, 300 plus of them were children. Ugh. Let's dive in now and see how this monster was created. <clears throat> So the story starts with Jim Jones. Uh, James Warren Jones was born on May 13, 1931, in Crete, Indiana. His father, James, who was a World War I veteran, and his mother, Lynetta, were very poor. During the Great Depression, they moved to Lynn, Indiana, in 1934 and lived in a shack with no plumbing. Not good. Nope. So that's how monsters get created. No plumbing. No plumbing. That'll do it. That'll make me mad. Mm-hmm. Tell you what. Jones struggled to make friends and was known as the weird kid who was obsessed with the religion and death. He held funerals for small animals and stabbed a cat to death. Yep. Red flag, I'd say. No plumbing, stabbing cats. Not a good combo. Nope. He loved reading, especially about Stalin, Marx, Mao, Gandhi, and Hitler. Not good. So, I mean, Gandhi's good, but yeah. that should not be in the, around those other names, I feel. No, I feel like it should never be followed by Hitler. No. I don't know. Or Stalin. No. Both a lot of murders there. Mm-hmm. Hitler and Stalin. Yeah. Um, his father was associated with the Ku Klux Klan and even refused uh, Jones to let one of his black friends into the house. Jones did not speak with his father for many years after that, and his parents separated. Jones left with his mother to Richmond, Indiana. In December of 1948, uh, he graduated with honors. Hmm. So, I mean, he's got a lot of shit going on, but he's still academic, which is strange. Right. I guess whenever... Other aspect of your life is shit. You just dive into that. Mm-hmm. Kind of bury yourself in that. So Jones married Marceline Baldwin, who was a nurse in 1949, when he was 18. And in 1951, the couple moved to Indianapolis, where Jones took night classes at Butler University. He actually finally earned his degree in secondary education in 1961. Hmm. So it took him 10 years, though. No big deal. Yeah. Um, I mean, I get that. I'm still working on college, <laughs> and I'm 33, so <laughs> no judgment. In 1951, Jones started attending meetings with the Communist Party of mm. USA, hmm. and he became frustrated with political agendas and racism. He believed heavily in Marxism. So what is Marxism? I didn't know. It's basically a political and economical theory where a class, or I'm sorry, a society has no classes. So there's no upper class, middle class. It's just all one thing. Every person within this society works for a common good, and class struggle is gone. He needed a platform to get the word out to the people, and he thought he his best bet was to infiltrate a church. In 1952, Jones became the student pastor of a Methodist church, 
but he left after the leaders would not let him bring black people into his congregation. So, I mean, in the beginning, it's starting to kind of seem like he's a good guy. It's always weird to me how, like, racism, whenever you think about racism, like, in the 50s and stuff, you think of it being in the South. Mm-hmm. But, like, the KKK started in Indiana. Yeah. Which is, like, it's weird to think that it's just, like, I don't know. It's everywhere. Ooh. And it's a hop, skip, and a jump from where we live. Yeah. We should do, it'd be very dark and depressing, but I think it'd be interesting to do an episode on that because it'd be just, the like, the history thing. of it, yeah, mm-hmm. and how it came to be and, like, yeah. yeah. Anything, like... <clears throat> I feel like it's very appropriate now to, like... Yeah, it's it's still a thing. Yeah, unfortunately. Like, yeah. Yeah, that's a Which terrible so thing, but... stupid yeah, that it's exactly. still a thing. Yeah. But for some reason, like, that's why this is my favorite, <clears throat> even though it's weird, massacre, mm-hmm. because it's, like... It's the same with, like, Nazis or with the the races and the Ku Klux Klan and things like that. It's, like, how depra- depraved are people to, like, feel like just because somebody's a different color or whatever. Right. It's, you know. It's very weak-minded people, generally. Yeah. That are searching for a purpose. And then they just dive in head first and, like, they can't get out of. It's the same thing with, like, uh. The Waco, what was that? David Koresh, yeah, the David Branch Koresh, Davidians, yeah. same exact thing. They just wanted something to believe in and found the wrong person. Yep. So, I don't know. I just think it's very, the the whole psychological part of it's very interesting to me because you have to do a lot of work to especially get that many people on your side and so charismatic. And it's basically like, it's, yeah, like you said, Nazis, like Hitler was basically just speaking in beer halls. Yeah. And then just like became then it, to lead Germany. It's yeah. like insane how like the, the a powerful speaker can do like so much. Mm-hmm. It's pretty insane how like if somebody's like articulate and just gets their point across and like is enthusiastic, mm-hmm. you can do a lot with that, which is scary. But it's pretty yeah, like you said psychologically it's interesting how people, people can just, just be led by that. In. Yep. Um so after he left the Methodist church He was searching for his next one, and he witnessed a faith healing service at a Seventh-day Baptist church, saw that it brought people in and also people that had a lot of money. Right. In 1956, Jones organized a religious convention at Cadle Tabernacle Church in Indianapolis. He shared the pulpit with Reverend William M. Branham, who was a healing evangelist and a highly revered religious author, Oral Roberts. After the convention, Jones created his own church, which held many names, but the final settled on the People's Temple Christian Church Full Gospel. So it's just real, like, only a couple words. That's like 15 names. Only (laughs) eight words too many, (laughs) which was initially an interracial church. Jones continued to study Adolf Hitler and Father Divine to learn how to manipulate members of the cult. So if you're studying to manipulate people, I feel like you're not doing it for the right reasons. And it's crazy because he's so hung up on this interracial thing and he's studying Adolf Hitler who tried to get, like, rid of a whole Yeah, it is very strange. And it's weird how it's like he's studying religious figures and then Hitler at the same time. Right. But it's like, yeah, his morals are all over the place because he's, like, not racist, which is great, but he's also, like, trying to manipulate these people. So it's very, like, his weird Got a love-hate thing going on right now. Yeah. Divine told Jones to find an enemy and to make sure they know who the enemy is. Um, and it will unify those in the group and make them subservient to you. It's pretty smart. I, I mean, hate to say it. Yeah, if you find a common enemy, it's 
everybody pulls together to fight that one thing. Yeah, that's, yeah, which yes. is scary. It is. But now that we know that, we know that we will not be pulled together. I'll fight an enemy by myself. <laughs> right? What? Right. I don't need no group. Are you sure? What if they have more than one person? Uh, uh, (laughs) I'll just hide until it's over. There you go. That's better. Yeah. Who wants to fight anyway? That sounds exhausting. Really does. In 1960, Jones opened his church to all ethnic groups. To raise money, he imported monkeys and sold sold them door to door as pets. I mean, I feel like that is getting monkeys imported easy to do. I was going to say, that sounds like there's way easier ways to make money. That's what I'm thinking. <laughs> sell like, phone books or yeah, any, they sell anything be else. Be a cab driver. <laughs> yeah. That's such a weird, that's not legal, I don't think, either, to have a pet monkey. No, I don't think so. Especially well, in the maybe, 60s. I don't know. May, they probably didn't have a law against it yet. This is probably why After there's a they're law. they're probably like, uh-uh. No more monkeys. No more monkeys. Um, in the same year, he was also appointed director of the local human rights commission um, by the Indianapolis mayor Charles Boswell. I bet Charles Boswell felt really dumb mm. after all this is done. True. Boswell asked Jones to keep a low profile and found local radio and TV stations to preach. He cheered at NA- NAACP and Urban League meetings where he shouted, "Let my people go!" Wow. I don't know. Would uh, as a <laughs> I'm trying to not offend anybody cuz I'm really that's not my intention at all. But right. as a black person, how I mean I know especially right now with everything going on, you know, Black Lives Matter and the reason that is a thing is because they don't have the numbers to be able to fight this racist thing we got going on. Right. But as a black person, would you be offended if somebody came and did that? I mean, saying let my people go is a bit extreme, I think. Like yeah, if they were fighting like... in the – just fighting beside you would be different. But if you're like – I don't know. It's, it depends on the person. I think it's person to person. I think so too. Because it's, it's very hard to lay a blanket statement over that. Yeah. I don't know. Jones started to racially integrate churches, restaurants, telephone companies, the Indianapolis Police Department, movie theaters, amusement parks, and Indiana University Health Methodist Hospital. Um, In response to this, swastikas were painted on homes of two black families, and Jones walked through the neighborhood comforting black the black folk of the neighborhood. Yeah. So, I mean, he really did do a lot of good things. Racially integrating all of those things, that's a pretty, that's yeah. pretty good. Mm-hmm. So, at least in... It, what an interesting guy. Yeah. Because it's like he does, yeah, like he does good things, but it's like he uses bad intentions. Right. So, it's like along the way to the bad intentions, he does good things, which yeah. is very strange. And it doesn't offset at all. No, no, no. Even a touch what he's done. But it's just but very interesting. It is. It's hard to it's a He has he plays a good he's a good actor, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. He's probably good at manipulating like uh mm-hmm. what they call it, uh, sociopath. Mm-hmm. Like people that are like serial killers are like they're good at like people people. People yeah. people. Per, like they're personable. Yeah. They can talk to people and like get them to do things they normally wouldn't. They're like a chameleon. They'll mold into yeah. whatever they need to be for that whatever that person needs them to be. Yeah, and it would not surprise me if he, because at the end of the day, he's a serial killer. Yeah. So it's like, I'm sure he had some of that in him. Yep. 
He would set up sting operations to catch restaurants refusing service to black customers and wrote to American Nazi leaders calling them out in the media. Dang. Yeah. In 1961, he was accidentally placed in the black ward of a hospital after a collapse but refused to move. He began to make beds and empty bedpans of the black patients. Because of his actions, political pressure caused the hospital to desegregate the wards. That's, again, another pretty good thing. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. That's pretty crazy the actions of one person did that. Yeah, a whole hospital. Yeah, all these people have their minds, like, set. Mm -hmm. And then this one guy came in, and they're like, oh, yeah, we're being idiots. Jones was now on the radar of people with opposing views. A swastika was put on the temple, and a stick of dynamite was left in the temple coal, coal pile. I'm sorry. Coil pile. Coil pile. It's <laughs> French. <laughs> <laughs> coal pile. Sorry. A dead cat was thrown at Jones's house after a threatening phone call. Uh, there are other incidents, and some believe Jones was involved in most of them. So he's setting this stuff up to make him look like he's a hero. Right. Not cool. Not cool, man. In order to solidify this position with integration, Jones and his wife adopted several non-white children and referred to them as a rainbow family. So they had Agnes, who is Native American, Lou, Stephanie, and Susan, who were Korean Americans, Stephen Gandhi, he was born in 1959, and he was his first biological son. Jim Jones Jr. was black. And Timothy Glenn Tupper was white, and it was actually the son of one of the People's Temple members. Hmm. So they, she gave him up to Jones, which is the worst decision maybe yeah, ever. Not good. No. Is it? Can you do that? Like adopt a kid and then mm-hmm. just call him Junior, even though like yeah. I mean, if they have your name, you can but change it's like anything. I mean, yeah. Huh, I never. I don't think I've ever heard of that before. Like somebody adopted being a junior. Yeah, you'd have to change their name, but All right. huh. you can change your name to anything. Yeah, true. I just never have... That's an interesting concept. I've never heard of that before. Um, in 1962, Jones and his family traveled to Belo Horizonte, Brazil. Mm-hmm. Nailed it. They were scouting out new temple locations after reading about a nuclear holocaust in Esquire magazine. And it listed that as a safe place from the nuclear fallout. He made a trip to Guyana, which was a British colony at the time. Belo Horizonte, I love it, had a lack of resources, so they moved to Rio de Janeiro in the middle of 1963, where they worked with uh, the poor in slums. Sounds like uh, it's Bella Lugosi's cousin. Belo Horizonte. <laughs> <laughs> no. Bad joke. Bad, bad joke. Jo- bad joke that alert. That is. That is bad. That is <laughs> Oh boy, I maybe, apologize everybody. Maybe the worst. Man, that was bad. I like I where you were it. trying. I like what you were trying to do. As soon as I left my mouth, I'm like, I'm a dumb idiot. <laughs> Stupid. All right. Back in Indiana, the temple was struggling. Jones' associate preacher told him it would collapse without him, so he returned. In December 1963, he returned from Brazil and told his congregation that the world would be engulfed with nuclear war on July 15th, 1967. Very specific date. That is. Uh, the temple, oh, he's told them they had to move to Northern California for safety, and they started moving to Redwood Valley, California. Hmm. That's, yeah. What a weird, I wonder what the significance of that date was. Very strange. Probably just a day he picked out of the air. I feel like that's. That sounds nice. Yeah. Nine times out of ten. Let's yep. just choose this date far off in the future and. Impending doom. Yep. Yep. In 1968, Jones started his first known affair with a woman named Carolyn Layton. 
The affair would continue the rest of his life. It's a long time. That is. So what happens whenever the nuclear holocaust or the rapture never comes? How do they explain it? Oh, like my bad. My math was bad. Yeah, he was just kidding when he told me. Yeah. I I don't know. know. I continue to follow somebody that's lying lying to you. Yeah, obviously. In the early 1970s is when Jones started going off the rails a little bit. Not that he was always on the rails, but now he's like... Completely He's off. off. Yeah. Um, he called Christianity a flyaway religion and started rejecting the Bible as being a tool to oppress women and non-whites. I mean, it's mm. not wrong. <laughs> he denounced the sky god, who was no god at all, and he wrote a booklet called The Letter Killeth, which criticized the King James Bible. He began preaching that he was the reincarnation of Gandhi, Father Divine, Jesus, Gautama, Buddha, and Vladimir Lenin. That's a lot of people. Yeah, I feel like that's too many. That's like four too that's many. How reincarnation works? No, <laughs> I don't think it's like a hodgepodge uh-uh. of things. It's just one, one shot. <laughs> so, former temple member Hugh Forston quoted him as saying, "What you need to believe is in what you can see. If you see me as your friend, I'll be your friend. As you." As you see me as your father, I'll be your father. For those of you that don't have a father, if you see me as a savior, I'll be your savior. If you see me as your God, I'll be your God. What would we say? Chameleon. Boom. Boom. Mic drop. Boom. That's pretty scary. Yeah. That's exactly what, I mean, that's exactly what they do. That's you play into people's weaknesses. Yeah. You just never, I've never heard it like laid out that way. Full in your face. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm doing. Yeah, most of these people that come there are in need of something. Mm -hmm. He'll be, yeah, the solution. Yep. In 1973, Jones was arrested and charged with lewd conduct for masturbating in a movie theater restroom in L.A. Not good. Don't do it. I feel like those other people he was reincarnated as would not have done that. Not Gandhi. Gandhi would not be jacking off in a Hmm. movie theater. Not the Gandhi I know. Not the Gandhi. Not my Gandhi. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely not. In 1974, Jones started a relationship with Mariah Katsaris. She would be his mistress until he died. Jones had many sexual partners during the 70s and occasionally had sex with his male followers. Hmm. I wonder if it was, like, consensual. Or if he's, like... Forcing them. Yeah. Or using his, I'm whatever you need me to be. Mm, Probably that. Crazy. Like, if you don't have sex with me, there's going to be a nuclear holocaust tomorrow. Right. Or you want, really want all these people to die? Save the world. There's a bomb on With bus. that dick. <laughs> <laughs> There's a bomb on this dick. <laughs> You're the only one that can save everyone. Keanu. <laughs> what do you do, Jack? What do you do? Oh, uh, shit. No. Rape is not funny. Yeah, sorry. Like, wow. Yeah. I didn't even think about it as that. That's it not probably really, isn't. It's not really rape. That's just like... Course... Coercion. What is it? What is it? <laughs> Coercion. Cool. Coercion. That sounds nice. Is that real? I don't know. It might I be. I think so. I think, not, I think I nailed it, to co- be honest. Coer- Coercion. 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 <laughs> anyway, not rape. That's what that means. Not rape. That's what that word means. You're coerced. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. All right. Moving on. 
1976, Jones had a phone conversation with John Mayer. Not. He's like, your body is what? <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Different John Mayer. Different. Different. Where he stated he was agnostic and an atheist. Hmm. He was trying to promote Marxism. He slammed the Bible on the telling. Well, he slammed the Bible on the table, yelling, "I've got to destroy this paper idol." He's got to do it. Not very religious, man. Nope. So in 1971, John's father, John's. <laughs> <laughs> We're all we're talking, a lot of a lot of guys going Lots on. Lots of guys. Jones, mm. Doctor Jones, father to son. Mister Jones. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, there's Calvin Crows and John Mayer were not yeah. something I would have expected to talk about at the beginning of And this. Indiana Jones. Where? Oh, Indiana. I just said Dr. Jones. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he's from Indiana. You're talking about Mr. Jones. I'm talking about Counting Crows, baby. Is it Mr. Jones? Yeah. I said Dr. Jones. I know. I'm just singing songs. Oh, okay. I'm saying now he's from Indiana. <laughs> <laughs> circle. Okay, then. Okay, sorry. It's a little while. So, Dr. Jones, he fathered a son. Okay. John Victor Stowen. Timothy and Grace Stowen. Get, lock it up. Lock it up. Tighten it up. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Timothy and Grace Stowen were married, but Timothy begged Jones to have sex with Grace to keep her from defecting. Mm. Because I didn't put it in the notes, but they weren't Jones does what a lot of cult people do, and they say, you ain't allowed to have no sex. Not up in here. Not up in here. here. But I am with everyone. Yeah, sounds familiar, Mr. David Koresh. Yeah. You can't have sex with your wife, but I can have sex with your wife. Anytime I want. Anytime. And 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 your your husband. Because he had like 13-year-old daughters. Yeah. That's sick fuck. I don't know if he was like that. He wasn't having sex with kids, might, I don't think. Might have been. Just the husband and a wife. Hmm. Whichever one. Getting dirty. Who knows? Dirty dick. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> so wait. Huh? Was Indiana Jones really from Indiana? Might have been. Who knows? Is that why they call him Indiana Jones? I would imagine. That's not his name. How do you know? I don't. I'll be honest. Okay. You just brought me back. You're welcome. Okay. In the early 1970s, five years after moving to California, the temple moved its headquarters to San Francisco, where they forged alliances with many political figures and media and religious influencers. Mm. Not everyone was into what they were doing and started getting heat from other news outlets. Heat. Heat. The heat is on. I was about to start singing that, but I didn't want to sing three times in one episode. Their ears gonna be bleeding. Mm-hmm. Sorry. The Chronicle reporter Marshall Kidduff started writing a story about the People's Temple, which had allegations that members were physically, emotionally, and sexually abused. He sold the story to New West hmm. magazine. In 1976, Grace Stowen left the temple and began divorce proceedings. Jones ordered Tim to keep John, the son Jones fathered, to avoid a custody dispute. In June 1977, Tim defected and left John with Jones. Now, this is kind of the catalyst. So I just want y'all to know that. This is what put things in motion. Mm. Continue. During this time, Jones also fathered Jim John Kimo and Carolyn Layton, who he had begun having an affair with since 1968. Yeah, that's a long-ass time. That is. 
How many years? Do the math. No. Okay, nine. <laughs> it's the summer of 1977. Jones and several hundred Temple members dropped everything and decided to move to a compound in Guyana. Jones named the settlement Jonestown. Like you do. Hmm. At least hmm. he's not full of himself. If you had a town, what would its name be? Jordan Town. Magic Mountain. No. That's a dumb name. That's kind of grosses me out. Magic Mountain? Yeah. Why? Because I took it to a weird place. Why'd you do that? <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking of happy fun I was times. thinking of Magic Mike. Oh, you're gross. Yeah. Nerdy. Don't do that. Ugh. Name it like <laughs> Mr. Toad's Wild Ride. What the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> That's way grosser. That is. Okay. Um, hold on. What's the one? Splash Mountain. <laughs> the Magic Mountain's gross? Splash Mountain's way more suggestive. <laughs> yeah, fuck. Did you say Magic Mountain? Yes. Oh, yeah. Magic Mike. My lord. Okay. Tighten up. Get it together. <laughs> Construction on Jonestown happened uh, several years before the New West article was published. 500 members began working the over 3,000 acres. It was promoted as a socialist paradise and sanctuary from media scrutiny. Jones set this up as a communist community and said it was made of, and I quote, the purest communists there are. Hmm. Well, thank God. Yeah. I don't want the unpure. Nope. Ain't no dirty communists up in here. Not up in here. Hmm. In fall 1977, Tim Stowen and the others who had left the temple formed a concerned relatives group because they had family members that had moved on to Jonestown now. So they're in Guyana. Stowen traveled to Washington, D.C. in January 1978 to meet with State Department officials and members of Congress. He wrote a report detailing his concerns against Jones and the Temple. He also started a legal battle to get custody of John. Custody. Custody (laughs) of John. John. In April 1978, the concerned relatives distributed a packet of documents, letters, and affidavits to the People's Temple, members of the press, and the members of Congress, which they titled An Accusation of Human Rights Violations by Reverend James Warren Jones. So this is where people start paying attention to what's actually happening. Right. It's all because this boy was born, and now he's trying to get him back. Hmm. June uh, 1978, Escape Temple member Deborah Layton provided the group with a further affidavit detaining crimes by the temple and substandard living conditions in Jonestown. Jones hired Mark Lane and Donald Freed, who was a JFK assassination conspiracy theorist, to help make the case of a grand conspiracy against the temple. Jones told Lane he wanted to pull in, quote, Eldridge Cleaver. He was a fugitive of the Black Panthers and was able to return to the U.S. after repairing his reputation. Right. So basically, he's just trying to fix the damage. And I think he wanted to go back. Yeah. He's like, I fucked up. Yeah. And then, like, so this isn't in the notes, but whenever they were doing the construction and building, Mm -hmm. they had enough food and everything like that because there was only 300 people. Right. Well, then whenever everybody started coming, there was 900 people plus and there wasn't enough food to feed everybody the adequate amount so a lot of the kids were malnutritioned and just wasn't they worked like 12 hours a day and then they had to sit in sermons and listen to him preach all night long it just wasn't a good environment right 
Jones made statements to his congregation about their safety. He would tell them that the CIA, 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 CIA and other intelligence agencies were conspiring with capitalist pigs to destroy their settlement and harm them. They would frequently participate in white night rehearsals where Jones would give the Jonestown members four options. It would be attempt to flee to the Soviet Union, commit revolutionary suicide, stay in Jonestown and fight attackers or flee to the jungle. On at least two occasions during white nights, after a revolutionary suicide, vote was reached and simulated mass suicide was rehearsed. So they voted and they all decided that they were going to do this revolutionary suicide. Dang. Um, Here is an excerpt from Deborah Layton. She said, everyone, including the children, were told to line up. As we passed through the line, we were given a small glass of red liquid to drink. We were told that the liquid contained poison and that we would die within 45 minutes. We all did as we were told. When the time came when we should have dropped dead, Reverend Jones explained that the poison was not real and this was just a test of loyalty. He warned us that the time was not far off when it would become necessary for us to die by our own hands. The temple was receiving monthly half-pound shipments of cyanide since 1976 after Jones obtained a jeweler's license to buy the chemicals to clean gold. Wow. That's a pretty good cover-up. Yeah. In 1978, a temple doctor wrote a memo to Jones asking for his permission to test cyanide on pigs whose metabolism was close to humans. Jones' health was declining. Uh, Jones was informed that he had a lung infection and announced to his followers he had lung cancer. He was injecting Valium and taking quaaludes, stimulants, and barbiturates. He also uh, complained of high blood pressure, small strokes, weight loss between 21 and 30 pounds, temporary blindness, convulsions, swelling of his extremities, and insomnia. He would often go three or four days without rest. His speeches had now turned into surge speech, running words together and not finishing sentences. And these people were still listening. Yep. November 1978, Congressman Leo Ryan led a fact-finding mission to Jonestown to investigate allegations of human rights abuse. He also had relatives of Temple members, an NBC camera crew, and reporters for various newspapers. They arrived in Georgetown on November 15th. Two days later, they traveled by plane to Port Katuma, where they were transported to Georgetown by limo. Jonestown. Jonestown. Is that what I said? Georgetown. Fuck. They're close. Jonestown. So they went from Georgetown to Jonestown. Yeah. Close. By limo. By limo. (laughs) Jones hosted a reception for the delegation that evening at the Central Pavilion in Jonestown. Everyone was happy and in good spirits. Yeah, it was just a big old party showing how good everything was here. Mm. And I guess just like the white, whatever. White night, yeah. Yeah, they also practiced this party. Uh, to make sure that like everybody was, like, acting the right way, right. which is crazy. It is crazy. On November 18th, a note was slipped to one of Ryan's team members asking for help to get out of Jonestown. Ryan confront- confronted Jones about the note, and you can see him start to unravel. So, like, this is – if you Google it, mm-hmm. this footage is there oh, where wow. he hands him the note and says, what do you got to say about this? And he basically brushes it off like – they're liars. Hmm. Uh, but you can see in his eyes, he's like freaking out. Pissed. Right. Um, so Don Sly, a temple member, actually attacked Ryan with a knife. 
after that. Wow. Luckily, the attack was prevented by the group, um, but the group decided to leave in a hurry. Yeah, no kidding. Yeah. <laughs> Because what are you going to do? You got to go now. Right, yeah. There's way more of them. Mm-hmm. Um, they managed to actually take 15 temple members with them who had expressed that they wanted to leave. Wow. Jones made no attempt to prevent their departure at that point. The group made it to the airfield and began boarding two planes on the airstrip. Uh, shortly, Jones' armed guards called the Red Brigade arrived on a tractor and trailer and began shooting at the group. Damn. Yes. Um, the gunman killed Ryan and four others near the plane. At the same time, Larry Layton, who was one of the defectors, drew a weapon and began firing on members of the party who had already boarded the plane. Wow. Yeah. Um, an NBC cameraman was able to capture some of the footage just for like the first few seconds. If you search online, you can find the footage. It's very like basically most of it is them boarding and gathering stuff and then... You see this big army jeep thing pull up, and then people start shooting, and then the camera goes off. Crazy. So in total, there were five people killed at the airstrip. Leo Ryan, Don Harris, who was an NBC reporter, Bob Brown, who was an NBC cameraman, Greg Robinson was a San Francisco examiner photographer, and Patricia Parks, who was a Temple member. And surviving the attack were Jackie Spire, a Ryan staff member, Richard Dwyer, Deputy Chief of Mission from U.S. Embassy at Georgetown, Bob Flick, NBC producer, Steve Sung, NBC sound engineer, Tim Reiterman, uh, San Francisco Examiner reporter, Ron Javers, San Francisco Chronicle reporter, Charles Krauss, Washington Post reporter, and several defecting members. Yeah. While all this was going on, Marceline Jones made a broadcast that everything was fine and asked residents to return to their homes. Aid started preparing a large metal tub with grape flavor aid and poisoned it with Valium, chlorohydrate, cyanide, and fenugrin. About 30 minutes after Marceline made her announcement, Jim Jones called the members back out for his announcement. Not good. Mm-mm. A 44-minute cassette tape exists that is known as the death tape. Um, this records part of the meeting Jones called inside the pavilion in the evening of November 18, 1978. Um, he told the gathering, one of these people on the plane is going to shoot the pilot. I know that I didn't plan it, but I know it's going to happen. They're going to shoot that pilot and down comes the plane into the jungle. And we have better not have any of our children left when it's over because they'll parachute in here on us. Jones, 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 <laughs> Jones urged his members to commit revolutionary suicide that they'd practiced several times before. The Red Brigade returned to the camp and Jones got confirmation that the congressman was dead. The armed guards now took up positions around the pavilion. Temple members gave speeches praising Jones and his decision for the community to commit suicide. Odell Rhodes escaped the carnage and here's her account. The first to take the poison were Roletta Paul and her one-year-old infant. A syringe without a needle was used to squirt another syringe into her own mouth. Stanley Clayton also witnessed mothers with their babies first approach to the tub containing the poison. Clayton said that Jones approached people to encourage them to drink the poison, and that after the adults saw the poison begin to take effect, they showed a reluctance to die. Well, yeah. Yeah. Probably a bunch of regret. 
The poison took about 5 minutes for children and 20 to 30 minutes for adults. After drinking the poison, people were escorted down a wooden walkway leading outside the pavilion. Some believe that this is just another white knight exercise. Rhodes admitted to being in close contact with children who were dying. That's terrible. Yeah. Jones stated, Die with a degree of dignity. Lay down with your life lay your life down with dignity. Don't lay down with tears and agony. He also said, I tell you, I don't care how many screams you hear, I don't care how many anguish cries. Death is a million times preferable to ten more days of this life. If you know what's ahead of you, if you knew what was ahead of you, you'd be glad to be stepping over tonight. Yeah. Because he's so freaking paranoid. Well, I mean, if you kill a congressman, they're going to come get you. Yeah. Well, he's also on all this medication himself. Yeah. And he's not, he can't even sleep at night. He can't, mm-hmm. he's like, can't even put words together. He's out of his mind. Yep. Uh, as more temple members died, the guards, the Red Brigade guards, were called to die by poison. So they drank that. Jones was found dead, lying next to his chair in the pavilion between two other bodies, his head cushioned by a pillow. He had a gunshot wound to his right temple that Guyanese chief medical examiner Leslie Mutu stated was consistent with being self-inflicted. So he's a pussy, too. Yep. He couldn't even die the same way that all of his people were. He had to shoot himself in the head. Mm-hmm. And we're not going to play it, but if you Google the the death tape um or jim jones speeches there's little excerpts of it we're not it's hard for me to listen to because you can hear people crying and like children screaming and it's very unsettling right so we're not going to play that but you can find it if you want to listen to it um so the events at Jonestown was the greatest single loss of american civilian life in a deliberate act until september 11 2001 um, go ahead. Three high-ranking temple members were sent on assignment and escaped their death. Tim Carter, his brother Mike, and Mike, two Mikes. Two Mikes. One Tim, were instructed to take a suitcase filled with money to the Soviet embassy in Georgetown. There was a letter giving instructions that this money was to be left to the Communist Party of the Soviet Union Social Republics. When they realized what had happened, Tim tried to search for his wife and son. He found his son being poisoned and watched his wife kill herself in despair. Tim had a nervous breakdown and was pulled away from the village by his brother. Yeah. Yeah, that's a pretty normal response, I would say. Yeah. I don't know how she's supposed terrible. to feel. Yeah. Gary and Lane um, talked their way past two armed guards and made their way to the jungle. They heard gunshots and ran. Clayton fled into the jungle and came back to retrieve his passport, but he also heard gunshots and fled. Rhodes volunteered to get a stethoscope and hid under a building. Four more people were able to escape. Grover Davis was 79, who was hearing impaired and missed the announcement to assemble on the loudspeaker. Grover laid down in a ditch and pretended to be dead. Could you imagine that? Like, just being so hard of hearing that you didn't hear the announcement that everybody was killing themselves and then go out and see all these dead bodies? Yeah, pretty quick thinking, though, to just lay down and act dead. Yeah. Um... Hyacinth Thrash was 76 and realized what was happening and crawled under his bed, only to come out after all the suicides were done. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, 150 miles away at the People's Temple in Georgetown, Sharon Amos heard the radio call to kill themselves. She entered the bathroom with a knife to kill her two children, Krista and Martin. She slit her own throat, as did her 21-year-old daughter, Leanne. Mm. 
That is crazy. Yeah, it is. Over 900 people died from drinking the Kool-Aid, as they like to say. So it really wasn't Kool-Aid, even though everybody says don't drink the Kool-Aid. It was really Flavor-Aid. Right. Um, 300 of those were children. Some of the members refused to drink and were injected with it. Many survivors say it was not a mass suicide. It was a mass murder. Mm. So, and that's true because why would the the Red Brigade have to stand along, you know, if, if they were just willing to do it? It's not voluntary. No. The only medical doctor to initially examine the scene was Mutu. Mutu physically examined 200 bodies and saw needle marks on about 70 of them. They weren't sure if it was against the person's will or if it was used to quicken the process. Potassium cyanide and potassium chloride were also found in the vat of Flavor-Aid. Plastic cups, Flavor-Aid packets, and syringes littered the area where the bodies were found. Notes were left by some of the bodies of the residents, leaving all their assets to the Communist Party and praising Jonestown, which I'm sure they did not write. Maybe they did. It's hard to tell. It is hard to tell. 912 912 of the 918 dead were collected by the U.S. military in Guyana and transported to a military base in Delaware for mass processing. The last shipment of bodies arrived on November 28th, where fingerprints were taken and they were trying to identify these bodies. In many cases, the bodies were sent to Dover-area Dover funeral homes. In August of 2014, the never-claimed cremated remains of nine people from Jonestown were found in a formal funeral home in Dover. By September 2014, four of the remains had been returned to their next of kin. Five had not. Those five were publicly identified in the hope that the family would claim their remains. Isn't that sad? 2014. That's a long time. Yeah. Larry Layton, who had fired a gun at several people on one of the planes, was initially found not guilty of attempted murder, saying he was brainwashed. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of like claiming insanity. It's kind of the same. I mean, I'm Which, sure it's like the, along the same lines. Yeah. Just like the like we've talked about it millions of times, just like Nazis, you know, they were under their this directions from this crazy-ass person. But it, that's crazy that he... But he was... He, he was like undercover. Yeah, but... I think that's bullshit that he said he was brainwashed because he was like, he could have gotten away. Yeah. If you're really brainwashed, you could like, that was your out. Yeah. You were out and you started firing on the people. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Uh, Layton was deported back to the U.S. and arrested by the U.S. Marshals when he landed in San Francisco. Nice. Yeah, they got him real good. Hell yeah. Uh, he was where he was tried in America. He was convicted of conspiracy and aiding and abetting the murder of Ryan and attempted murder of Dwyer. He was paroled in 2002. Layton was the only person who ever held was held criminally responsible for the events of Jonestown. That's wild. Because all the other ones were dead. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, That's still crazy that just one person for all of that. Is, yeah. He should have been charged with 900 murders. Right. Right. Because he knew what was going on. At that, at the same token, though, is that really fair to do? I mean, if you were helping this dude do all this shit, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't feel like, I don't know if that's fair, but I get what you're saying. Yeah. If I were the family of one of those people that did that, that happened to, I would have been. Yeah. Well, Dwyer, I mean, still alive, yeah. too. Oof. The CAN, or Cult Awareness Network, was created shortly after Jonestown to help deprogram members of cults. They were they also helped people in the Waco siege in 1993, but disbanded in 1996. The bodies of over 400 of those who died were buried in a mass grave in Evergreen Cemetery in Oakland, California. In 2011, a memorial was erected at, for them at the cemetery. Wow. 
because I bet a lot of these folks, all of their their whole families probably died. Yeah, they're probably all together. Yeah. And I just want to say, like, we laugh and stuff sometimes, but we don't mean any, like, disrespect to. No, never. Yeah, I feel like sometimes we laugh and make jokes when we shouldn't, really. But, I mean, we'd never mean any disrespect to this. No, this is this very is heavy terrible. topic. So it's, it is very, it's terrible. Yeah. And those people, they didn't deserve it. Nope. And I'm sure they had no idea what they were getting themselves into, like, originally. Yeah. Well, especially that he, like, lost his mind. When he was like, he had all that medical stuff go wrong. Right. I mean, and that's the the thing. You can see him kind of unraveling piece by piece. And then it just blew up. And if he never, who knows? I mean, if he never would have had that son from that other couple yep. and then an investigation. And it's probably, I mean, it was probably good that it happened because it needed to stop. But nobody ever had in... Waco hadn't happened yet, so this right. is like the first time that people took their own lives at that amount. Yeah, it's pretty mind blowing. And if you look at um, YouTube, you can see a helicopter fly over where, and there's it's just so many bodies, like so many. And yeah. to think that they that at, at least Americans came and took them back, right. Because, yes, some of the families might have been all collectively there. However, the people whose children were there, who ran away or whatever, at least they got that piece that they could claim the body. That's one of those things. I forget why I saw it or where I saw it, but I saw that, like, video of the helicopter. Oh, yeah. And that's, like, one of those things, once you see it, you don't see it. You can't see it. Have you ever listened to his last speech? No, I have no interest in it. It's bad. I remember I listened to a podcast about Jonestown, and they didn't play it. It said where to find it. So I went and found it, and it's stuff like you can't can't get it out of your mind. And there's nothing you can do about it. It's in the past. It's already happened. But I think that that's why Jonestown is so interesting to me is because there's so much documentation. Mm-hmm. Like you have the video of Ryan meeting with him at the at the camp. And then you have all of these sermons that he did because he's so full of himself. He just – and you can see like in some of them, if you listen to him like before, he did present himself as a very caring – Individual. Which I'm sure he might have been at one point. Yeah, and maybe. I'm like, it's almost like they went there, and then the person they followed there wasn't the person that did all this because mm-hmm. it's like all the health stuff and just like like losing his mind basically. Yeah. So then it's just like, uh, yeah, it's hard to put yourself in that mind frame. But well, and one of his sons, I think it's their their um, blood mm. son. Mm wrote a book about it and I have it. I haven't read it yet, but it'd just be interesting to know how yeah, everything Yeah, I wonder how, how that they would feel. Like that's knowing your father did all this and yeah. it's like, I'm sure like it's, I'm, I'm sure he's not like a bad person. No. But it's just like, it'd be, oof. Well, his whole life is going to be overshadowed by yeah, what his father had done. Well, I don't know how you'd go like do anything without thinking of that. Yeah. Be like, ugh, that's just rough. Yep. That is rough. But. So, so yes, George Wright. We never, ever, ever mean any disrespect to any of the victims. No. Um, it is heavy. That's so why we try to be informative, but, like, keep it light. Because this, yeah, if you were just to get on here and 
list of facts, it'd be the most depressing podcast ever. Yeah. So it's like it's you want terrible. Yeah. Nine hundred people dying should never be taken lightly. No. Ever. No. So we just want to make sure that But it's it's important to remember though too. Because no, if you remember yeah. then it hopefully it won't happen again. Right. Yeah, it's one of those yeah. So so let us know how you feel about Jonestown. Um what you think Jim Jones was about? Do you think he was just always that crazy and maybe this was always his intent? Or do you think he just slowly slipped into madness? Yep. So I think that is it. Yep. All right. Well, we will see you all next Monday. Thank you yep. for subscribing. Subscribe. Subscribe. Rate, review, all that good stuff. Yeah. We'll see you all on the Instagram. Talk to us. All righty. Toodaloo. Bye. Bye.